<laughs> hey, everybody stand up because I love to pray before bringing the word. Can I say that um, it is a real honor and a joy and a privilege to be here to stand on this platform. Uh, you, uh, the CC, CC, your family, your whole family. We got Marvin, we got BB. We got, I, I could go on and on and on. Have done so much for the kingdom and kept such a beautiful, beautiful heart and spirit. Your whole family. First time I talked to Alvin on the phone, I thought, wow. It reminded me of talking to my son. I thought, such a pure heart, such a man of God. I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm sure your parents are so proud of you. <clears throat> and, um, but I just want to thank you for just the way you represent Jesus. Not only are you gifted, but you represent him and, and so, so well. And I know he's so pleased. And uh, it is such a good spirit in this church. I mean, I, I, I turned to Lisa and I said, Lisa, I love the spirit in this church. It's beautiful. It's pure. It's, it's lovely. And uh, I'm so happy about your new building. Upstairs is amazing. I can't wait to preach up there someday. That's going to be fun. But um, I'm so glad you get to hear me first before Lisa. And uh, because, you know, then when Lisa comes first time, you'll go, oh, John who? And then, and then when Addison comes, my young, uh, uh, then all of a sudden you're going to go, who's John and Lisa? <laughs> you're going to go, oh, no, we want Addison. So anyway, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, speaking of my family, who I love so much, I'll show you a picture. And, um, and so there they are. Uh, Addison and Julie and Asher and Sophia are here. That's Addison and Julie, Asher and Sophia. They're here this morning. But, Addison is the uh, Chief Operating Officer of Messenger International. We have about 50 team members in the United States and then about 1,000 team members globally. Uh, Our passion is to make disciples of all nations. That's Jesus' final words. Uh, We've had the privilege and honor with the massive team that God has amassed to be able to give away over 50 million physical resources to pastors and leaders in 226 nations in 116 languages in the last 12 years. And so Addison's a huge part of that. He is the man that can really bring the teams together, motivate the teams, and get them all doing what they're supposed to be doing. All four of our sons have worked for us for at least nine years each. Um, Austin is in his own business now doing so well. Three sons. We just moved here from Colorado Springs. We are so glad to have friends, so thanks for being our friends. I've already been invited to play golf with the man, and um, that'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, um, uh, so Arden is over our uh, sons and daughters. Addison is COO. Alec is over our creative department. And then uh, Christian's over social media. Julie has uh, also spearheaded sons and daughters and came out with an amazing book, and so these are Addison and Julie's four kids. We are, they, I call them our G-babies because I'm too young to be grandpa, so it's G-daddy and G for short. And so uh, we have six. One's in the cooker, but another one got, was born July. And I'm going to show you. There she is. Now, now just, just take a look at those eyes. Those eyes are saying, don't even try to pull any wool over my eyes. I know what you're thinking. Um, she's going to be a lot of fun, okay? And, and she needs to be in Nashville, so start praying that they move to Nashville, please. All right? <laughs> we need them down here. But anyway, um, you know, I just want to say this, that I, I love my family so much that I really realize how much God enjoys us. Amen? We are his family. Can you say amen to that? 
Amen. So now I want to, I really want to see your life impacted. I was really wrestling. So many, I'm, I'm writing a new book right now and my heart's over there, but I really feel like what I shared in the first service, I should share in the second service, just so the whole church benefits from it. So what we don't want is we don't want a message. We want our life transformed. And I could be the best communicator on the planet, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't touch these words, we're just getting what? We're getting information instead of transformation, right? And so can, can we pray together right now and really ask God to move in this service? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so very, very much, Lord God, for what you've already done. But Lord, you always save the best wine for last. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit of God, do it again. Reveal Jesus to us in a way like we've never known him before. As you do this, may we go from glory to glory, strength to strength, and faith to faith. For I decree again, your kingdom has come. Your will shall be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven. And for this, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the thanksgiving. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody that agrees, shouts. Come on, thank him in advance for what he's going to do. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. I want to say that Lisa just got back from Houston. She was ministering at a conference there. It is so, such an honor to be married to such a mighty woman of God. We co-founded Messenger International together. It is a lot more fun to do it with your wife than to do it by yourself. I am a firm believer in couples doing things together. I believe that we are so much better when we do it together. Amen. So for you young couples that are here, please remember God has called you as a team. Amen. It is not one and then the other just kind of is there to do something like raise kids or just do that. We're all called to raise kids. We're all called to be great family members. We're all called to, to make our impact on the world. But I believe we should do it together as teams. Amen. And it's even a little more fun when you do it with your family. Right, Alvin the third? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So good. All right. First John uh, 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. There is only one chapter. In the, but I'm going to open up with a verse of Scripture this morning that this, this verse just means so much to me. Two entire books have come out of this one verse of Scripture. And John has what I like to say, a grandfather anointing. It's when you've served God faithfully for decades, you can say a whole lot in a few words, right? And so John makes this statement. He said, look to yourselves. Everybody say, look to myself. So you know immediately he's not talking to the person sitting next to you this morning. He's talking to you, all right? That we do not lose those things we work for. And that is such an amazing statement, but I don't want to go into it because I would go off on a total different tangent and never come back. But look what he goes on to say. But, everybody say but. but. That we may receive a full reward. Now everybody shout reward. reward. That's good. How many of you know God's a rewarder? Yeah, I mean, how does he introduce himself to Abraham? He appears to the guy, he falls over like he's a dead man, gets him up and says, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. What a way to introduce yourself to somebody, especially when you're God. Your next door neighbor says, I'm your reward, big deal. God says, you're, I'm your reward. Whoa, right? Now, um, <laughs> the thing that, <laughs> I'm already, uh, okay, anyway. The thing that really got my attention here is that John just doesn't say reward. Do you notice he specifically says full reward? Now, one day I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute. For there to be a full reward means what? That means there's a partial reward scenario and there's a no reward scenario. Now, isn't it interesting that John doesn't say, hey, live in a way that you're going to get a partial reward. Why doesn't he say that? Because now listen to me, God wants you. Everybody say, wants you to receive a full reward. But as, as a wise father, something I've learned as a father, okay, 
If you're a wise father, you don't give your children rewards unless they earn it or deserve it. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about rewards right now. Now, of course, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ, where we are going to be examined on how we lived in this body as believers. And let me tell you this. That is like our interview or our analysis by our Lord Jesus Christ to determine our eternal positions. Oh, man, that's something when you think about it, right? But anyway, let's, let, let's talk about this aspect. The Bible says that godliness has the promise of the life that now is and is to come. Now, the is to come is the judgment seat. What about the now is? Because Proverbs 13 says the righteous will be rewarded on the earth. So one day I started meditating on this. I started thinking, what are you saying that we receive a full reward in this life? So now in order to get a picture of God's will on the earth, where's the best place to go? To go to the Gospels, right? And so what I did is I went to the Gospels and I started meditating on the Gospels in the light of this scripture. Because I'm trying to figure out what is a full reward, what is a partial reward, and what is a no reward, right? And as I'm meditating on the Gospels, sure enough, I see people in the Gospels, they get a full reward from heaven. Then I see people, they get a partial reward from heaven. Then I see people that they get no reward from heaven. And, and I started thinking through all of this, and I realized there was a thread, a common thread running through all these different scenarios, and that thread is what I'm going to share with you this morning. So in order to do this, I've got to go through a couple of the incidences in Jesus' ministry. Can I do that? Yes. All right, so let's start out with Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter. We actually have Jesus coming to a city that is looking for the Messiah. This city actually knows it's the season of his coming. They're anticipating his coming. And he comes to this city, and look what we read here in Mark 6, verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, you have to realize in other cities, he's opening up blind eyes, opening up deaf ears, causing crippled people to walk, even raising the dead. He comes to this city, and basically a few bad backs get healed, a minor case of arthritis, maybe a, a headache gets healed, but not near the miracles that were occurring in the other cities. But what really got my attention on this verse were the words, he could do no mighty work. Now, I remember the day I saw this, I thought, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say he wouldn't do any mighty work. I can handle that one easy because that's his will. It said he couldn't. The Amplified makes it really clear. The Amplified, look at this. It says he was not able to do any mighty work. And I remember the day I saw this, I literally pushed my Bible back and I said, hold it. This is Jesus, the Son of God. The Messiah, he's filled with the Spirit of God without measure. Yet he comes to a city and he's restrained. And I, and I said, Lord, what, what would restrain Jesus? God manifested in the flesh. Because if I understand what restrains Jesus, I'm going to understand what restrains me, right? So I started praying. I said, Lord, okay, you got to show me what would restrain Jesus. And I found the answer almost like within seconds in the previous two verses. Because look what the people said in the previous two verses. They said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Now look at the next verse. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Say it again. Honor. Except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now what's happening here? Jesus comes to Nazareth, the city he's raised in. Okay, it's Sabbath, and everybody in the city is in the synagogue. 
Jesus walks up to the front, grabs the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up to a scripture that everybody in that place knew. I mean, everybody knows this scripture. It'd be like me getting up today saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, sinners would understand that one, right? Everybody knew this scripture because it spoke of the coming Messiah. So he begins to read this scripture. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing's out of the ordinary until he closes the book and drops a bomb on them by saying, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the Messiah. Now, when he says that, the whole crowd starts rustling. And fathers are looking at their wives going, babe, babe, isn't this the kid who's on Tim's football team? Somebody else goes, honey, isn't this the guy, isn't this the guy that made the table and chairs in our kitchen? Somebody else goes, honey, isn't this the kid that grew up down the street from us? Now, what's happening here? These people had an image of how Messiah would come. And what's amazing is their image was developed from Old Testament scripture. Because the same prophet Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. So they got an image of a warring, militant, conquering Messiah coming, delivering them from Roman oppression, reestablishing the throne of David, and ruling forever and ever and ever. But when Jesus comes as one of their hometown boys who made the table and chair in their kitchen, who now has a bunch of prostitutes following him and mafia, because the tax collectors were the mafia of the day, they go, hold it, hold it. This is not the way we expect Messiah to come. Now, that tells me something right there. Many times God will send you what you need in a package you don't like. Why does he do that? Just because he's God. Okay. So when Jesus doesn't come the way they expect him to come, they withhold honor from him. Now, I have done an extensive amount of study on this Greek word for honor. The Greek word for honor here is the Greek word timia. Now, you would pronounce it time, but the Greeks call it timia. All right. What is the definition of this Greek word? Its raw definition is a valuing. All right. Now, I've talked to fluent Greek-speaking ministers that have been born in Greece, raised in Greece, and this is what I've discovered. When you speak of honor to a Greek man, Greek woman, this word timia, it literally means this, something that is valuable, something that is precious. Think, think with me. Valuable, precious, weighty, such as gold. How many of you know you just don't throw gold anywhere? You don't put it in your junk drawer. You put it in a place of honor, right? Other definitions of this word are to appreciate to esteem, to favorably regard, to respect. Now, I have found in, in all the writings that I've done, sometimes you can understand a word better by looking at what it is not. Look at the antonym. The antonym of honor is dishonor. Its Greek word is atomia. Its definition is to treat as common, to treat as ordinary. So I want you to think with me now. The opposite of honoring someone is to treat them as common and ordinary. Did that settle? To not show respect, to not value, all right? Now, in some of the major Greek dictionaries that I studied, I discovered something very interesting. Honor can be displayed in action. We all get that. In word, we all get that. But it can be displayed in thought. But all true honor originates from the heart. This is why God says in Isaiah 29, verse 13, this people draws near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts they have removed from me and their 
Reverence towards me is taught by the precepts or the routine of men. God says my people have the actions of honor, the songs of honor, the words of honor, but they don't have true honor because true honor originates from the heart and is an outflow of the reverential fear of the Lord. So what's happened here is Jesus has come to this city because he doesn't come the way they expect him. They withhold honor. The result is a few bad backs get healed, a few minor cases of arthritis, maybe a headache, but not near the miracles that happened in the other city. They received a small partial reward from heaven because of one word. Everybody say the one word, because of honor. If you go to Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, you can do this later. You've got Jesus teaching in a very large house. There's obviously a pretty big, it's probably a big room like this because they're, they're said there, it said there was a multitude of ministers in the meeting, okay? And, and listen to this. The Bible says, as he taught them, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. Everybody say them. That's the ministers. But what's amazing is none of them got healed. The power of the Lord's there to heal them, but none of them got healed. It wasn't until some men tried to get into the meeting, but they couldn't because it was so packed. They go to the roof, they tear over the roof, let down a paralytic on ropes. And the Bible said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, when he says that, the ministers just thought this. Okay, this is not happening. Fred, Fred. Can you believe what he just said? No, Charlie, this is, this is blasphemy. No, they just think this. Who is this that can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And the Bible said when Jesus knew their thoughts, he said, okay, guys, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk so that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the guy and says, get up and walk. The guy gets up and walks home. The Bible says all the ministers were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed, but none of them got healed even though the power of the Lord was originally there to heal them, not the paralytic. They got no reward from heaven because they dishonored Jesus just in their thinking. Thoughts count in case you didn't know. Getting quiet in this Methodist church right now. Are you still here? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, Matthew the 8th chapter. Let's go to Matthew the 8th chapter. You got... You, okay, okay, yeah, now, now you're coming alive. I, I was raised Catholic, you gotta understand. It gets quiet in the church, that makes me a little nervous, okay? So, um, and by the way, it was quiet one time in heaven, it was so unusual, the Bible actually recorded it, so go there. All right, so, CC, we're gonna have fun in heaven, right? Okay, so, so um, Matthew 8, you got an officer of Rome, he's a centurion, he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my servant is dreadfully tormented, would you please heal him? Now, listen to what Jesus says to this guy. He says, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. When he says this, the officer of Rome looks at him and goes, no, no, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wait a minute. I'm not worthy. This is is the conqueror speaking to the conquered. Rome conquered Israel. This is an officer of the Roman army speaking to a young Jewish rabbi. Do you see the honor that this man shows Jesus? And then he gives his reason. He said, because I also am a man under authority. And because I'm under authority, I've got authority. And all I have to do is say to my servants one word, and they instantly obey me. And he said, Jesus, I see you're under your father's authority. So all you have to do is say one word, and that demon's got to leave my servant like my soldiers obey me when I say a word. And the Bible says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. Now, when Jesus marvels, that gets my attention. And Jesus says to the crowd that's around him, he says, I'm going to tell you guys, I've not found this much faith, not in all of Israel. Do you know what Jesus just said? 
He said, I found more faith in this Roman officer than John the Baptist. Amen. He found G John the Baptist in Israel. Or my mother Mary, or the 12. Wow. Now, we're all men and women of faith around here, and we know the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I'd be willing to bet, and I would win this bet, this officer heard far less scriptures than John the Baptist. Yet he had more faith than John the Baptist. Why? His understanding of honor and authority. He received a full reward from heaven. You got a Greek woman. She hears Jesus is in the area. He's just done a massive meeting and is exhausted. <laughs> I can understand that. If I do three services in a day, I'm like a wet noodle. Could put me in front of the NCAA tournament. Seriously, it's not time to write. And I'm telling you, Jesus ministered all day to this crowd, and they've drawn. He's exhausted. And so he and his staff, get in, they get into a big house to get some rest. And somehow this Greek woman gets into this house. And she, now listen, she is pleading with Jesus to heal her daughter. And he is not responding to her. Finally, his staff members, his team members, said, Jesus, can we get rid of this woman? And then he turns to her and says, it's not good to give the children's bread to a little dog. Now, you can slice this pie however you want to slice it. He just called her a dog. I mean, seriously. He put her in the category of a dog. Now, he is not insulting her. He never insulted a human being in his life. Never. But he knows how to draw faith out of people. So she looks back at him and honors him and says, yes, my Lord, but even little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And I can just see, I can see the biggest smile coming on Jesus' face. He goes, oh, woman, great is your faith. Go your way. And her daughter was healed that moment. From that hour. Are, are, you, are you tracking here? How about Hannah? The priest called her a drunk woman. She honored him. She got a baby. What she couldn't get in prayer for years, she got by honoring a priest who God said there is never any forgiveness for that priest or his family. You never want to hear God say there is never forgiveness for you. But she honored that priest when he called her a drunk. And she had a baby in her arms. You starting to see this? So let's get back to Jesus. You can go all through the Gospels. Those who honored him greatly got a full reward from heaven. Those who withheld honor got a small partial reward. Those who dishonored him got nothing. You take it all the way to one week before he was crucified, and Jesus makes the most amazing statement. Look what he says in, first, uh, in Luke's Gospel, 13, chapter 30. No, yes. I tell you, look what Jesus said. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's he saying here? I'm going away. Next week, I'm going to be crucified. 40 days after that, I'm in heaven. You're not going to see me, Jesus, again until you say to the one I send you, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, I'm going away. You're not going to see me, Jesus, again until you honor the one I send you in my name. Why? Because Jesus says this over and over again in the Gospels. Here's one example, John 13. He says, he who receives. Now, I'm going to replace the word receives with honors because they're one and the same. He who honors whomever I send honors me, Jesus. And he who honors me, Jesus, honors the Father who sent me. And God gives us a spiritual law in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 31. God says, those who honor me, I will honor them. 
Those who lightly esteem me, I will lightly esteem them. How would you ever lightly esteem God? By lightly esteeming the one Jesus sends us, we lightly esteem Jesus. By lightly esteeming Jesus, we lightly esteem the Father. And the Father says, I'll lightly esteem you. Not a good idea when you need a prayer answered. Getting quieter here. Okay. You're going to see this all through the Gospels. This was towards the end of his earthly ministry. Let's go to the beginning. Matthew 10. He who honors you, honors me, Jesus. Are you seeing a pattern here? And he who honors me, Jesus, honors the Father who sent me. Now look at the next statement. He who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's what? Reward. Everybody shout it. Reward. It's the first scripture I read to you. See that you receive a full reward. Keep reading. Next verse. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's what? Everybody say it. Keep reading. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his what? What is Jesus speaking of here? He's speaking of the three levels of human beings you will ever come in contact with. Every human being you ever meet falls under one of these three categories. Those who are our leaders, those who are over us. Now, he said prophets specifically. He's speaking of church authority, but it spans out to the other areas of authority, and I'll show you that later. <clears throat> He's talking about those who are our leaders, those who are our peers, and that would be the majority of human beings we meet, and finally, those who are entrusted to our leadership or our care, whom he refers to as little ones. Honoring each of these levels of authority brings a certain reward from heaven. Why? Because Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And what you've done to me, you've done to the Father. And likewise, the Father shall do to you. Now we've really gone Anglican, haven't we? <laughs> All right, I want to talk about each of these levels and the reward that comes from each. Can I do that briefly? Are you okay with that? You good with that? Okay. First of all, he said prophet. And this can easily... Now, this can easily span to the other three areas of authority that God's delegated over every single one of our lives. Okay, because how many of you know God's delegated four areas of authority over everyone's life? How many of you know that? Let me see a show of hands. I was curious. Wow, again, 20% of you. Woo. Okay, so we're going to have to step back and we're going to <laughs> we're gonna have to establish something here. How many, of you know, how many of you know the Bible says all authorities of God? Okay, let me, you talk about this, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like dropping a bomb on a service. Why don't we like to talk about this? Because we've had mean, cruel, dishonest authority. Okay, let's be honest. But the Bible says all authorities of God. The Bible does not say all authorities godly. The authorities of God, the behavior may not be. See, if you meet God, you meet authority. Because God and his authority are inseparable. <laughs> show me a person who has no regard for authority, I'll show you a person who's not saved. Amen. How can you be that bold to say that? Jesus said, I'd know them by their fruit. You really haven't met God because you have no regard for authority. So you haven't met God because you meet God, you meet authority. See, I have discovered that Americans are some of the hardest people on the planet to preach the gospel to. Really are. And the reason is quite fundamental. I've been to over 60 nations, been to every continent except Antarctica. The reason is fundamental. We are a people trying to understand kingdom principles with a democratic mindset. Yep. 
The kingdom of God is just that. It's a kingdom. It has rank, order, and authority. You try to relate with God with your democratic mindset, and you and God won't even connect. You'll be on two different playing fields. He's a king. Okay? And he, he's, not, he's not a figurehead king like the lady in England. He is a real king. Thank God he's a good dictator. He's a benevolent, good, loving, full of, but he is a, he is a king. So, so this is why Americans don't connect in so many ways because we think democratic. Now, democratic, dem, democracy is great for the United States because we have imperfect leaders. Okay. Somebody said, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm not going there. So anyway, um, so God, God, God not only has his direct authority, he has his delegated authority. Okay? So there are four delegated areas of authority. The Bible talks about frequently. Number one would be civil. Who's that? That's the president, vice president, right down the policeman on the street. Second is family. That's the husband's the head of the home. Wife is to submit to the husband. Children are to obey their parents. Social authorities, that's your bosses, coaches, teachers, etc. right? And the fourth one, which Jesus specifically talked about when he said prophet, is church authority. Okay? So let's talk about each really quick. First of all, civil authority. What does the Bible say about civil authorities? For, for rulers, civil authorities are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil. Because they are God's servants. Everybody say God's servants. God's servants. Working for your own good. Now, let me tell you when this really became real to me. I was in the gym like 15 years ago, right? Gold's Gym in Colorado Springs. And I'm working out, and there's a guy and a girl working out next to me. And the girl looked like she could split me in two. And um, she was so strong. And I get to talking with them because I just like talking to people, right? And I get to talking with them. I find out he's policeman and she's policewoman in our community. And we'd already been talking for like 10 minutes. And when I found that out, I said, whoa. I said, the respect that I have for you too is enormous. I said, because the Bible says you're God's servants. And, and the policeman looks at me and goes, dude, are you serious? I said, what? He said, the Bible says I'm one of God's servants. I said, yeah, it does. Romans 13. He said, I'm tattooing that scripture right on my back. <laughs> so, so, so two weeks later, I'm in the gym, and he pulls up his T-shirt, and there was Romans 13 tattooed right on his back. I'm glad he got it. I hope he's saved. Okay. Okay. So then he goes on to say, that is why, uh, uh, yeah, that is why you also pay taxes. <laughs> Good one for you to hear now. Because the authorities are working for God when they fulfill their duties. Okay, so what does that mean? The next time you're 15 miles over the speed limit, you see red and blue lights flashing in your mirror? Don't bind the devil. He is not working for the devil. He is working for God. That is when you pray for mercy. Y'all are getting this. Okay, keep going. All right, pay then what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes. Now watch this. And show respect and what? Honor. For all the nice ones. No. All? Wait a minute, John. Are we supposed to, we're supposed to show respect and honor to a mean, cruel, dishonest leader? Well, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Peter 2, 17. Peter says, fear God, honor the king. What is Peter saying here? How can you say you fear God who you don't see when you can't respect the person he's placed his authority on that you do see? 
Now, do you know who the historic king is that Peter is writing about here? Who's the historic king? Herod Agrippa I. Who was Herod Agrippa I? He was the king of Judea who was murdering Christians in cold blood to further his political agenda. Okay, he's the one that cut off James' head. And Peter is one of James' closest friends. I mean, this is one of my top three friends. This is one of my besties. And this guy just chopped my, my best friend's head off. Yet Peter writes, honor the king. Now, how in the world do you honor a king who is murdering people in cold blood? It's not easy, but this is what you got to do. Listen carefully. You honor his position, not his behavior. Okay, in America, this is what we say to a, a leadership. We say, you have to first earn my respect. The fear of God doesn't say that because the fear of God doesn't judge by the seeing of the eye or hearing, hearing of the ear. It judges according to righteous judgment. Amen. The fear of God says to a leader, I see the authority that's on you. Therefore, you already have my respect because I honor your position, not your behavior. Amen. That is good. That helps me a lot especially in the day and hour we're living in right now. Okay, let's go to the next one. Maybe you'll get happy on that one. Okay. (laughs) Honor, now we're going to talk about family. Honor your father and mother, which is the first suggestion with a promise. Commandment, Commandment, thank you very much. (laughs) It is a commandment, not a suggestion, to honor your mother and father. Now, this is really amazing because this is the first commandment that carries the reward with it in writing. What's the reward for honoring your mother and father? Number one, you'll have a successful life. Number two, you'll live long on the earth. Do you understand you have a promise from heaven that you can say, cancer, get out of this house. I honored my mom and dad. I will live long and I will be successful. I don't know about you, but that really excites me. (laughs) Okay, now the problem is we live in a society that trains us to dishonor our parents. So you see my, our son over there, he and his three brothers, when they were growing up, they had an oversaved dad. And um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let them watch, Lisa and, I, Lisa and I both agreed, we would not let them watch certain G-rated movies. We're not talking PG, we're talking G. Put out by the company in Orlando and L.A. Why did I forbid our kids and Lisa forbid our kids to watch those movies? Because all through the movies, the kid actors spoke so dishonorably to their parents. And then at the end of the movie, they got the reward they were after. Like the dog, the monkey, the car. I said, you're not watching these movies. I forbid it. I would rather you watch movies with righteous killing on it because that's all over the Bible. But you're not watching these movies. Now, there were some people that thought Lisa and I were too extreme. I don't think so because look what Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, or 27, yeah, cursed. Now, if your neighbor says you're cursed, whoop-de-doo. God says you're cursed, that's a really bad day. Cursed is the one who dishonors his father and mother and all the people shall say amen. How many of you know God put the Ten Commandments in the list of the order of importance? Does anybody in here know that? How do I know that? Jesus said the number one command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and strength. Number two command, love your neighbor as yourself. First four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. Last six deal with our relationship with our neighbor. Murder's pretty serious. 
It's number six. Adultery is really serious. Number seven. Stealing's pretty serious. It's number eight. You know what God puts above all three of those? Dishonoring your mom and dad. It's number five. Could it be that God sees dishonoring your mom and dad as a more serious offense than murder, stealing, or adultery? Now, I'm not justifying murder, stealing, and adultery. The Bible says you practice that, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, and you'll do jail time on a few of them. However, I personally believe that God sees dishonoring your mom and dad as a more serious offense than murder, stealing, and adultery, and I have proof for that. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 says that Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, lost his birthright because he dishonored his father. Simeon and Levi were the second and third board. They murdered, murdered, murdered men in cold blood in Shechem. And nothing happened to their birth order. Why? Because I see, because I think, in reading the scripture, that God sees dishonoring your mom and dad as a more serious offense than murder, stealing, and adultery. I'm not belittling those three. I'm elevating the other one to where it should be. Because what's amazing to me is we let society tell us what's important to God. And when I saw those movies and I saw the way those kids spoke to their parents in those movies, that's worse than me showing my kids murder and adultery on a movie. In God's eyes. Not society. God's eyes. Still with me? You know, I shared, I, I shared this with the, uh, with the last service. I'm going to do it again. You know, with four boys, when they were toddlers, Christmas was a work day. How many dads understand what I just said? <laughs> Okay, so I am the typical dad on work day. I open up the box, the gift, throw the pieces on the floor, throw the manual over in the corner, spend an hour and a half putting together this toy. I'm finished building it, and there's still 10 pieces on the floor. I hit the switch, and it doesn't work. Dads are saying it. Dads are getting it, right? So what do I do? I go get the book. I spend another hour deconstructing the toy. Then I put it together the way the manufacturer said to put it, and it worked. So God is the one that made us. He knows what breaks us. He knows what fixes us. And we go to our society to tell us what's important. I don't get it. (laughs) That's another whole message. (laughs) I'll come back someday and preach that for you, Alvin, okay? All right. So where were we? We're talking about, oh, let's talk about social. Okay. Let as many as their servants. Okay, so we're going to say this right. Let as many as their students, employees, or athletes. Under the yoke of their own right masters, which we would call teachers, bosses, coaches, etc., count them worthy of what? All what? All honor. All honor. Quick story. This will illustrate it. I'm playing a golf course in Jupiter, Florida. It's right on the ocean. It's a $200 million golf course. Second nicest clubhouse I've ever seen in my life. There was no members. It was owned by one man. Okay? His wife had an unlimited budget on the clubhouse, and she exceeded it. <coughs> It was an amazing experience. I mean, Bob Greasy was in the group behind me. Jim Leland was next to me, the coach of Detroit Tigers at lunch, and next to him was Tom Brokaw. So I'm playing this guy's course, and the guy that manages it, he's got 36 employees who keep the grounds of this guy's private golf course perfect. And I'm playing with him, and he's a good golfer. And I looked up before taking a shot in the middle of the round. I said, Alan, you need to take care of this golf course as if Jesus owns it, not Mr. H., He goes, where in the world do you get that? And he was like, ah. I said, the Bible says you serve your bosses, not as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord. 
He said, that's right, it does say that. I said, yeah. I said, so you need to take care of the golf course like Jesus owns it, not Mr. H. He goes, that totally changes my attitude on how I take care of this golf course. I said, good, you got it. And I beat him that day. <clears throat> number four. Let's go to number four. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the one Jesus specifically referred to when he said prophet, church authority. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Um, there are two, two, of, two of my personal heroes in the body of Christ are both in heaven now. One's T.L. Osborne and the other one's Reinhard Bunke. Lisa and I almost went to work for T.L. and Daisy Osborne back in 1987 as their assistants. And at that time, they'd already led 62 million people to Jesus. Not on television, but in their mass crusades, mostly in Africa. They would have anywhere from three to 500,000 people in one night service. So I went to Brother Osborne before he went to heaven, and I said, Brother Osborne, I just need to get this straight. Did you see totally deaf ears get healed in every one of your meetings? He said, John, hundreds in one meeting. Hundreds. Totally deaf people that God would open up their ears. I said, did you see blind eyes? He said, scores of them. Totally blind, they saw. He said, we saw people walk that were crippled all their life. I went to Reinhardt. I was having lunch with Reinhardt. I said, Reinhardt, did you see miracles in your meetings? Oh, my gosh. I just set him off. He went, oh, brother. And he started going on like this in his German accent. And he started telling me about the hundreds of deaf ears open in one night service because he saw 22 million people come to Jesus just in Nigeria in a four-year period. Now, I looked at these two men. It used to be so amazing to me. They would preach in the United States. Same men. Same message, same anointing. In their United States meetings, a few headaches would get healed. A bad back. A minor case of arthritis. Why? Why didn't deaf ears get open? Why didn't blind eyes open up? One word. Honor. I've been to some of these nations, and I'll be really frankly honest with you, sometimes it almost scares me the way they treated me. I mean... <laughs> Uh, I, I, one, the first one that always comes to my mind is when I'm in Mabasa, Kenya. I'd preach to 10,000 people. The leader's name was Wilfred Lai. I'll never forget it. We walk out of the meeting. And they put me in a room, and there's this chair that looks like a throne. And they said, we want you to sit in that chair. And I said, uh, oh, okay, where are you all going to sit? <laughs> and then these three women come up with a basin, a pitcher, and a towel. And they're approaching me in the chair. And I said, what are they here to do? And they said, they're here to wash your hands before you eat lunch. And I'm thinking, I can wash my own hands. And the Holy Spirit inside of me said, don't you dare not let them do this. I mean, I heard that. I was in Zimbabwe. This is before they went through all the trouble that they went through. This was like back in the late 90s. I, I, I'd spoken to 3,000 pastors. They were all senior pastors. Associates weren't allowed in the meeting. 3,000 pastors from 18 nations in Africa. And I remember after the meeting, dinner was served, and the leader looked at me and said, do you see who served your dinner? I said, yeah. He said, the person's the head of the CIA of this entire nation. And then I looked at him and I said, and they just served my dinner? And then he looked at me, and he said, aren't you the man of God? And I went, oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden I thought, 
We just don't get it. We've confused honor with worship. Forever and ever we'll worship our Lord Jesus Christ and only our Lord Jesus Christ, but forever and ever we'll give honor to whom honors do because God loves honor. So forever and ever and ever, I'm going to honor my mom and dad. I'm talking about 25 million years from tonight. I will honor my mom and dad because God loves honor. See, and here's what's interesting. We think we know so much in America, but you know my Bible tells me knowledge puffs up. Because I look at them, and they get their eyes open and their ears open, and we get our headaches healed. So wisdom is justified by her children. Sure is quiet. (laughs) Honor is the language of heaven. The father honors the son. The son honors the father. The Father and the Son honor the Spirit. Jesus honors us. That's hard for some of you to believe. He, you'll, 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 you'll see. Heaven's language is honor. Somebody who just recently went to be with the Lord, or went, went to be, saw, actually had an NDE. I read this. And what he couldn't believe is how Jesus, when he walked with him, he was so in awe. But Jesus was talking to him like a friend. But he said that's what he couldn't believe because of how awesome he was. But yet he, he talked to me like I was a companion. I thought that was amazing because that's the language of heaven. You still with me? All right, let's go to the next one. I have much, much more on church authority, but I'm not going to take the time. You can read it in the book. All right. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's what? Now, now we're talking about peers, okay? I'm going to give you the short story. I've got a longer story, but I'm going to give you a shorter one. I'm in Florida. I'm preaching at a conference, and it was a Friday night. And when I was done preaching, a man walked up to me, dressed up, very nice, and I could tell he was a man of wealth. And <clears throat> he said, Mr. Bevere, is there any way I can talk to you for five minutes? I said, sure, let's talk. And he said, I own a company here in South Florida that we make customized fountains for commercial and private use. So we build customized fountains. I said, okay, I got it. He said, the largest landscaper in South Florida owned my company $117,000, and they weren't paying it. Now, this is like, this is like, 13, 14 years ago, okay? This is before we went through massive inflation like we're going through right now, okay? So um, he said, past due date had come, and he said, I'm getting angrier by the day. You know, I mean, he said $117,000 was a lot of money for my company. And he said, they're not paying it. I know they got it. So he said, I start bad-mouthing them. I'm bad-mouthing them to my family. I'm bad-mouthing that company to my employees. And he said, then I heard you preach on honor. And he said, God just jerked my chain. And he said, I repented. And he said, I went straight to my family and said, I have been so wrong the way I've talked about that company. Please forgive me. He said, I went to my employees and said, I've been so wrong the way I've talked to that, about that company. Please forgive me. And the way I've talked about the owner. He said, and then I drove 30 minutes to meet with the owner. He said, I had no idea if he's a Christian or not. He said, I actually don't think he was. 
So I sat down with the owner and said, look, you owe my, you owe my company 117000 and I got an attitude because you went past due, and I started bad-mouthing you to my employees and my family, and I'm here to tell you I'm really wrong. I'm the one that's wrong. I have done you wrong. I've, I've maligned you. I've, I've spoken bad about you, and I'm asking you to please forgive me. And he said, look, let's just do it this way. Whatever you feel our work was worth to your company, you pay it whenever you want. Forget past due dates, forget due dates, none of that. You just pay it whenever you're ready, whatever you felt our work was worth to you. He said, one week later, I got a check for $11,000. That's all I got. So see, everything I just said doesn't work. Don't listen to me. <laughs> and I'm looking at him because I know something more is coming. And he said, John, two and a half weeks later, we got the biggest job we had ever gotten, a $2.5 million job. Amen. And he said, four weeks after that, we got a $7 million job. Amen. Does the reward come from the people we honor? Usually it doesn't. Matter of fact, I've noticed most of the time it comes from somewhere else. But I have also noticed the greatest rewards I've received is when I've honored those who've dishonored me. Amen. Jesus said, you love those that love you. Let me, let me put it to you in the Bevere paraphrase. You honor those who honor you. What reward do you get? Gang members do that. It's easy to honor people who honor you. It is difficult to honor people who dishonor you. Yet that's what that man chose to do. He got a full reward. Still with me? Yeah. It's, it's really quiet right now. Okay, let's go to the next one. You're just listening, right? And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now we're talking about those who are entrusted actually to our care. Okay? So we'd be talking now about what? Children, wives, employees, team members, church members. This one, I think I actually spent more time in the book on this one than any of the others. Um, I could talk to you for a long time of the rewards that I've received from heaven by honoring my sons and my wife, our team members. <clears throat> you know, let's just start with our wives. The Bible says, husbands, honor your wife as the weaker vessel. Now, weaker doesn't mean she's beneath you. She's an heir together in the grace of life. She's a co-heir, equal partner. What does it mean as the weaker vessel? It means this, and this is all it means. She can't bench press as much as you. That's all it means. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My son will take that challenge. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's all it means. But look, look what it goes on to say. It says, husbands, if you don't honor your wives... <coughs> Heaven will not listen to your prayers. Now, that is a miserable place to be that heaven's not listening to you. John, can I pray for you? <laughs> no, thanks. I see the way you talk to your wife. Heaven's not listening to you. Don't waste your and my time. I wish you would say that to people that talk to their wives like trash because they might wake up. Why would I want you to pray for me? Heaven's not listening to you. Sure is quiet. I remember our, our employees um, years ago, years, years, years ago, there was a girl who resigned, and I asked the question, I said, why is she resigning? And they said, because 
she can't she can't make she can't meet meet budget. She's she's struggling. She's gonna go home and live with her mom. And so I called our C, uh, Lisa and I called our CFO and we said, "What's the lowest employee of Messenger make?" And he told me, and I said, "That's pathetic. You can't live off of that." Actually, I think I was helping Lisa with her assistance budget too, and I saw that and both those. And so I said, I want everybody to move up to this salary. And the phone went dead quiet. And he said, if you do that, you'll be the most sought-after mystery to work at in Colorado Springs. And I said, well, that's not the reason I'm doing that. I need to honor our team members. Well, that girl became a manager and actually was very, very successful. I mean, I could give you story after story. Um, the waiter in the restaurant. It, it's amazing to me how I have gone and watched people right after a service They'll go, oh, I'll take this and this and this, and then they'll hand the, the thing, and they'll go, wasn't pastor amazing this morning? And I'm thinking, you didn't even ask her name. You didn't ask her how she's doing. You just treat her like a slave. You know, you, you can ask, ask my family, I, I will, before I give an order, I refuse to give an order in a restaurant until I get the first name of the server and at least get another comment in. Okay? The guys that valeted my car in Denver Airport, I talked to them. Mustafa and James, Mustafa from Morocco, James from Ethiopia. I gave them a big tip. Do you know I've actually had to walk in behind pastors? One time I had to walk in behind a pastor. We were in the parking lot. I waited till we got to the parking lot. I said, You know, I, I got to run back in the restaurant. Why don't you get the car? I had to go back and put more money on the table because of how he insulted, treated the server so common and ordinary with the pathetic tip that he left. I saw it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> My favorite store on the planet is Whole Foods, okay? I'm, you want to see John Bevere act like a kid in a candy store, bring me to a Whole Foods. I just get so happy. And when we lived in Colorado Springs, you know, um, this is back when Lisa and I used to go all the time because we moved to another place, so I stopped going there as much. But I had a professional golfer staying in our house, and we were walking through the store. He said, does everybody, every, everybody in the store know who you are? I said, yeah, probably. Now, they didn't know Lisa and I were authors. They didn't know Lisa and I were ministers. They knew us because we talked to them. Okay? Like, I remember distinctly Richard in the, in the meat department, he liked I found out he liked this one really special cheese that was $30 a pound. So I bought a half a pound, and I ran back to the meat, and I said, Richard, take this home and have it your right tonight. And he just looked at me like, what did you just do? You know, I, twice I remember a meal, go, you know, food going through the line, and a girl goes, oh, my gosh, I, I love that. She's bagging my groceries, right? And I go, did you eat lunch? And she goes, no. And I go back, go, go grab one, buy one, and give it to her. Then there was this girl that... I'll never forget her. Um, she, she was one of the cashiers, right, at Whole Foods. And she had like usually four or five stripes in her hair. Like, like one's bright red. The next one's fluorescent yellow. The next one's purple. The next one's like, I don't know, green. And you didn't see any Caucasian skin except for this part of her face. Her entire body was colored tattoos. And she had about 15 piercings, so they were in the eyebrows, the tongue, the nose, everywhere. So I went to her line every time. I just, I just got to like this girl, right? So I have so much fun. I'd go, 
your hair. Oh my gosh, it looks gorgeous. I said, tell me, how do you keep the fluorescent red, or, or the red from bleeding into the fluorescent yellow and becoming orange? How do you, she goes, oh, let me tell you. And she, told, she tells me the whole process, okay? Stops everything, tells me the whole process. So I, I'd go to her like every time, right? right? <laughs> I remember one time her line was so long, I thought, I'm in a hurry. So I went to another line. Well, she was so upset she closed down her line. She came down right when I was grabbing my bags, and she's, she's got tears in her eyes. She said, my grandfather died last week. And she said, I'm going to have to go live with my grandmother in Denver. And she said, you know what I'm going to miss the most about Colorado Springs? I said, no, what? She said, you, your wife, and your four sons. And she started crying. So now I gave her some books. I gave her the Beta Satan and, and stuff. And, and uh, you know, why, why do you honor people? Why? To, to, to get a reward? No. A million times, no. Because you realize that God Almighty paid the most expensive ransom in the universe for that one individual you're looking at. That's how valuable that person is to God. That's why you honor. That's why you don't treat anyone as ordinary. That's why you don't treat anyone as common. That's why you value men, women, and children. Now, your greatest temptation now, after hearing this message, you know what it is? It's going to go out. You're going to go out and treat everybody really nice for about, and that's going to last about a week. <laughs> we have to cry out for God to put honor in our hearts because it originates in the heart. Did you get something out of this today? Did you get something? All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I want your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you for giving me the energy to get through it. Lord, I'm asking, please draw men and women to your heart. Now, you'll never be able to honor anyone until you have an authentic relationship with Jesus. I want you to just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and I want you to listen carefully to me. I, I personally believe one of the greatest hindrances to seeing people have an authentic relationship with Jesus is the sinner's prayer, the coin sinner's prayer that we've come up with. Somebody can pray that sinner's prayer and still have 80 idols in their heart. The Bible calls Jesus the groom and us the bride. And Paul made a statement in Ephesians 5. He said, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one. But then he makes a statement. This is actually an illustration of the way the church and Jesus become one. So God gave us something we see every day before our eyes. And that is a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Now, when you stop and think about that marriage covenant, it's really interesting. When the girl walks down the aisle with the white dress on, she's making a pretty bold statement. She's saying goodbye to about 3.9 billion guys. She's saying, this is the only man on the entire earth I'm giving my entire heart and life to. Jesus is the groom. He laid his life down for us fully. Most of us, most of us in this room, including me, don't even yet realize the fullness of what he left. And he left it so that he could come and be despised, rejected, spit on in his face, 
punched in his mouth by soldiers, beard plucked out, a crown of thorns shoved into his skull, a metal tip whip ripping his flesh of his back open 39 times, and then nails. This is our creator I'm talking about. And he did it for one reason, because he valued you. He loves you. And he gave his whole life for you. And you think he's coming back for a bride that's given him half their heart? You're deceived. He's coming back for a bride that has given herself to him the way he gave himself to her. Yeah, when that bride comes down in the church, she may not be perfect the first day, the first week, the first year, the first 50 years. But she's given him her entire heart. And that's what I'm asking today. Have you given him your entire heart? I didn't ask you if you prayed a sinner's prayer. You can throw that one out. That's not the criteria. That's not how you enter a relationship. No groom would ever say he'd marry a girl. She said, can I just jump in bed with my old boyfriends periodically? I'll spend most of my time with you. Jesus isn't coming back for a bride that is sleeping with the world. He's coming back for a bride that's given herself to him the way he gave himself to her. And some of you sitting here, you like church. You like the people. You like the presence, the atmosphere. But you know you haven't given your heart fully to Jesus. I want to give you a chance right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, wow, I have not given him my entire life and I'm ready to do it right now. I'm ready to do what that bride does. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Just put it up right now. Oh, wow. Look at the hands. Beautiful. Lots of hands up in the air. Just put them up high. I've never seen a bride ashamed of her groom. Now I want you to just stand your feet right there at your seat. Just stand. Just stand right now. So proud of you guys. So proud of you. Now I'm going to give you, is there anyone else? I want to make sure nobody's missed. A lot of people standing, but I want to make sure nobody's missed. Yes, ma'am, you are worth the wait. Yes, yes, ma'am. Anyone else? All right, now, if you're in here and you'd say, John, I do not value men, women, and children the way you talked about. I have not walked in honor, and I want to repent of the way I have treated people common, and I've not honored them, and I want God to put that honor in my heart. If that's you, stand up with these people right now. If that's you. Wow. I love that. What a teachable, humble church. Almost everybody's standing. And I don't want you standing unless you need to be. Can we pray this out loud? Can you, can you, can you honestly say this from your heart and don't just repeat my words? Change them if you want, but make sure you say it out loud. Say this with me. God in heaven, thank you so much for speaking to me this morning. Forgive me for living life my way. Apart from you, my creator. But today, March 20, 2022, that all changes. This very moment, I give my spirit, soul, and body everything I am, everything I have to you, Jesus. Jesus, you are now my king, my Lord and master, my bridegroom. Thank you for embracing me, welcoming me into your family forever. I'm forever yours. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for forgiving me. 
And now I ask that you would forgive me for treating men and women as common, children as common. I repent of this. And I ask that you would put honor in my heart. May I value men, women, and children the way you value them. In Jesus' name I pray. Now just lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would touch every one of these men and women. Fill them. Fill them with the honor of heaven. There's his presence. He's here. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Wow. In Jesus' name. Father, let healing flow amongst your people. In Jesus' name. Sick be healed. I command you to be healed. Lord, heal marriages this morning. Heal relationships here. Fall upon them, Holy Spirit. Fall on them. There's his presence right there. He's here. God, healing. Healing between parents and children. Parents, healing between children and parents. Healing between siblings. I just see oil being poured into hearts right now. It's like liquid, fiery oil. It's golden oil. I don't understand that, but it's golden oil that's flowing into hearts right now. that healing presence. Let it affect not only their hearts, but their souls. Jesus' name. Father, we praise you. We praise you.
entrust to you today. We entrust to you what you've done in our hearts. The good work that you've begun, complete it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How many of you can say, I know I'm changed. Let me see your hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's give him praise. That's what we asked for. That's what we asked for. All right. Let me just say this. Uh, can you take a seat just for a moment? Um, the book's here. I got through a couple chapters. There's so much more. Um, we created an app, a $2.5 million app a year and a half ago. Uh, we launched it actually a year ago, uh, January. And the reason I'm telling you about it is because there is a course on the app called Honors Reward. So every one of you can, there's, there, there's a lot more than what I said in the book, and then there's, there's more on the course. And I want you all to be able to get it because the app, there is no charge for it. It's in 116 languages, the app. We have over 40 courses on it. We have eight audiobooks. We have short clips. We have sermons. We have journeys. We have kids' programs. And so it is, um, it's gotten over 9,000 five-star reviews on Google Play and Apple, uh, what do you call it, the App Store. And so if you just put up your phone cameras, you can get it, and that way you can walk through this course and really solidify what God did in you today because faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. So if you read it, watch it and I actually think of the audiobook of honors rewards even on there so you can go through that as well there's only one thing I am going to ask you please please listen to me please listen it's a two and a half, it's really an 11 million dollar app when you take in all the translations okay when my friends have a birthday I give them a dozen titleist golf balls right they lose them in two months never in my life before have I been able to give my friend a two and a half million dollar gift and yet all you have to do is hit one button and you can share it with any friend of yours, okay? If they live in Iran, you can send it to them because we have 24 books in, per in Persian. It's called Farsi. And we have 14 courses in Farsi. Okay, we've given two and a half, over two million physical resources to the underground church in Iran. So here's the deal. If you know somebody in Japan, send it to them. We've got, we've got Japanese. If, you've, if you know somebody in Indonesia, we've got Bahasa. If you know somebody in Pakistan, we've got Urdu. So you can, sh I'm asking you to share it with everybody. When you go through a course, you can do it alone or you can, you can say, I want to do it as a group and your, all your contacts come up. And so you can go through the course with your besties and you can talk about it because that's how discipleship happens, okay? So did everybody get their cameras up? You got that? You got it? Okay. And if not, just go to Messenger X, no space between the R and the X in the App Store or go there and Google Play, or if you just have a computer, go to messengerx.com. We want to come alongside Pastor Alvin, Pastor Alvin and Pastor Cece, and we want to help disciple you. And so that's what we do. We, we, we come alongside the local church because we believe in the local church to help make you strong in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's been a real honor, Pastor Alvin. It's all yours. Let's thank John Bevere. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Did you all enjoy yourselves? Are you transformed? 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to dismiss, but I do want to uh, yeah, just thank John again and your family for being here. We love you guys. I know I haven't met you, but just love you, and uh, you've been such a blessing to us. Uh, we would love to just act out what we just heard. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. Um, as, we dis- as we dismiss, uh, obviously, you know, you gave your tithes and offerings to the church, but we want you all to really, really stretch and bless Messenger International before you leave. You can give online. We have an option where you can select that. All of it goes directly to them. We have a finance team in the back if you would like to give cash or check, just specify that you want to give to Messenger International because we want to bless this ministry as they bless the world, including us. So so please, please, Nashville Life, let's, let's really find our hearts to give a financial blessing to Messenger International. Um, we have a prayer team that will be here for anyone who needs ministry. Once we're finished, you guys can get in position. We would love to pray for you, whatever needs you have. Um, for those of you who do want to take the next step with Nashville Life, Next Steps is on the third floor. We'd love to see you directly after dismissal. And uh, I just love you guys. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Uh, come back next week as we celebrate year 10 for us. Um, so let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We love you. We honor you, God. I pray, Lord, that you just continue to to, uh, minister to our hearts, Lord, the seed that's been planted this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it would grow and produce much fruit, much fruit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that everybody in this room would receive the full reward, Lord, by, by learning the power of honor. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great afternoon. Love you. Prayer if you want prayer.